DiscerningHearts.com and the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study presents Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon Doran, along with her husband Steve, are founders of the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study, whose mission is to actively seek truth and raise up disciples for our Lord Jesus Christ through an in-depth Catholic Bible study. Sharon, who holds two master's degrees in education and in pastoral theology with an emphasis in sacred scripture, is an experienced Bible study teacher for over a decade. She has a passion for scripture that motivates and challenges her students to immerse themselves in God's Word and apply His message to their everyday lives. We now begin the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study with Sharon Doran. Hi, everybody. It's Sharon Doran from Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study. I want to thank you for tuning in today to Discerning Hearts to listen to the second part of our overview of the Synoptic Gospels. In this part, we are introducing Satan. Every good soldier knows that he must know his enemy, and he must know his enemy's battle tactics and strategies. Why? So he doesn't get entangled in the enemy's traps and snares. There's someone who doesn't want us to know God's word, and he wants us to remain ignorant. St. Jerome tells us ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. Satan does not want us to know Christ. He doesn't want you in the word. He doesn't want you listening to this program right now. He doesn't want us to know his word. And if we know God's word, we just might obey God's word. And Satan certainly, certainly doesn't want that. Satan's original name is Lucifer. He is a fallen angel who initially battled St. Michael the Archangel, but now he battles each and every soul, trying to pull us down into his pit of destruction for all eternity, separated from God, our loving, merciful Father. Today, we're going to continue our overview of the synoptics with a little bit of John, the soaring eagle sprinkled in. He, we're going to discuss Jesus and Mary as the new Adam and the new Eve. We see that even though the world at this time couldn't quite recognize what was happening, the heavens knew. God who set the stars and planets, the sun and moon in their courses certainly had a plan before the beginning of time. The cosmos cannot keep quiet. The heavens scream out the glory of God's plan. Jesus has come to free us from the bondage of sin and death. He will first harrow the gates of Hades. And he will win for us a way back to the Father, becoming not only the truth, but the way back to eternal life in full communion with the Trinity. And now we continue with the second half of our overview of the Synoptic Gospels with Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study and DiscerningHearts.com. The serpent was more crafty than any of the other wild animals the Lord had made. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. There is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language because he's a liar and the father of lies. And he said to the woman, did God really say that? Really? And planted doubt in her mind. Now, woman was created after God had commanded Adam only. Only Adam was made in Genesis 2 when God said, do not eat of the tree of knowledge. Do you remember that from last year in Genesis? Only Adam was there when God said, you must not eat of the tree of knowledge. The Lord God then said, it's not good for man to be alone. I will make a suitable helper for him. So Adam heard that command from God directly to him. 
Now, Adam could have said, now, God said we can't eat from that tree, Eve. God said we can't do that. But he didn't. He went along with it. He was passive. Men, please stand up for what is right. Shamar your garden. Guard your garden. Turn off the crap on TV. Turn off the computer. Watch what your kids are doing. Watch the lyrics of their songs. Guard your garden. Things would have been so different for Adam had he stood up and did what the Lord commanded him to do. Then he blames Eve. Well, the woman that you made for me, she, she, she made me do it. God banished man and woman from the garden. That mean old God of the Old Testament. No, that merciful, loving Father. God knows that if they are, they're in a state of sin now. They're banished because if they pick and eat from the tree of life and live eternally now in this state of sin, in this separation from God, then they're going to be permanently separated from, from all eternity. So he banished them out of love until he could send his plan, and his plan's not plan B, it's plan A all along, and his plan is Jesus Christ. And he told the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and hers. He shall bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. That's what he told the serpent. The offspring of woman. Hmm. Woman at this time is a virgin. Eve doesn't lie with Adam until Genesis 4 when she conceives Cain. Hmm. The offspring of a virgin, woman, is going to crush your head, serpent. Huh. He'll be watching for that. Isaiah tells King Ahaz, Therefore the Lord himself is going to send you a sign. Behold, a young woman, in the Greek Septuagint, it was translated virgin, shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Many years later, a young girl was conceived to an old barren couple named Joachim and Anna, and she was the immaculate conception. Their marriage bed was sacred and holy, and God filled her with grace from the moment of conception on. And a few years later, the immaculate conception herself will virginally conceive a seed by the power of the Holy Spirit when he overshadows her and she says yes to him and gives her full consent freely. She gave birth to a son and they named him Jesus, Yeshua, God saves, Emmanuel, God is with us. And they went kind of undetected in Nazareth. They had to go to Egypt for a while, for many months, because Herod was killing all the babies of a new kingdom. A new king was reported. When they came back, Joseph had a dream. Many months later, they returned, and he was warned in a dream to withdraw to the district of Galilee, where he went and lived in a town called Nazareth, branch town, kind of a podunk little town, Nazareth. They live a hidden life at Nazareth. They're a holy family. They model the Trinity. And then, one day, on the third day, there was a marriage in Cana at Galilee. And Jesus and his mother went. They had been invited to the feast. And Mary noticed that the wine failed. They were out of wine. And the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Now this was the third day of the fourth day in John's Gospel. John's a day counter. Guess what? That's day number seven. That's a day of perfection. The third of the fourth day on the seventh day. That's a new creation. And Jesus looked at her and he said, Oh, woman. That hails right back to Genesis 2, the name of the virgin that would conceive. Oh, woman. What does this have to do with me? What is this between us? 
my hour has not yet come. And their eyes must have locked because they both knew. It's time. If I do this, the clock starts, Mom. And they both knew. It's time. He is the new Adam. She is the new Eve. And she says, do whatever he tells you. These are her last words in scripture. Do whatever he tells you. The old Adam didn't do whatever God told him. But Jesus, the new Adam, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, as Adam did. But he made himself nothing, like taking the very nature of a slave. He was made in human likeness and being found in appearance very humble, he became obedient even to death on a cross. The old Eve didn't say, we must do whatever he told you. But the new Eve says, do whatever he tells you. We were all destined for wrath after the fall of the old Adam and Eve, but we are all destined for salvation because of the new Adam and the new Eve. If, because one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. The serpent is the prince of the world. Jesus calls him that three times in John's gospel. Jesus crushed his head in a most amazing way that initially goes undetected by the entire world, even the prince of this world, Satan. We'll return to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran in just a moment. If your heart's seeking truth, then consider joining the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study found at seekingtruth.net. Distant learners from around the world are participating in programs that are designed so that the individual can progress at their own pace. Teaching director Sharon Doran uses two to three hundred visual images with each lecture to enhance learning with transcendent beauty. At SeekingTruth.net, you can also find out how to bring Seeking Truth to your own parish or group setting by becoming a Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study Satellite Class. All are welcomed at SeekingTruth.net. If you have ever wanted to know more about the Bible, here is your chance. Please come and study Scripture with the community at SeekingTruth.net. We now return to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. It was now about the sixth hour and darkness came over the land until the ninth hour for the sun stopped shining. Ancient non-biblical sources tell us that in the second Olympiad, that would be in the year 32 to 33 AD, there was a failure of the sun that took place greater than any previously known. And night came on at the sixth hour of day at noon so that the stars actually appeared in the sky and a great earthquake took place in Bithynia and overthrew the greater part of Nicaea. Hmm. Because Matthew tells us that at the moment of his crucifixion, the curtain from the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and rocks split open. 
And now, using Kepler's equations, computer equations, we can determine exactly when historical eclipses actually occurred. And there was only one Passover lunar eclipse visible from Jerusalem while Pilate was in office, and it occurred on April 3rd, 33 AD, and we can tell that by plugging in Kepler's laws of physics on a computer program. Interesting. In ancient literature, not only the Bible, a blue moon refers to a lunar, a blood moon, excuse me, a blood moon refers to a lunar eclipse. Why bloody? Because when the moon is in eclipse, it is in the earth's shadow. It receives no direct light from the sun, but is lit only by the dim light refracted and red shifted by the earth's atmosphere. Peter, full of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, comes out and says the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And he's quoting Joel chapter 2. Joel had predicted a blood moon, red moon on the day of the cross. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Could that have been April 3rd, 33 AD, the day of the cross? And then three days later, something else pretty amazing happened. There was an empty tomb. Now, people were afraid of this. And so the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate in advance and said, remember what that deceiver said when he was alive, that he was going to come back on the third day. So you've got to put guards around the tomb. So Pilate appeased them and put guards. He secured the tomb. That's in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27. And when he rose from the dead that morning and the women told the chief priests what had happened, they went and gave the soldiers large sums of money telling them, you're to say his disciples came during the night and stole his body while you were sleeping. And they did. Hmm. The theme of the hour. What kind of hour is this? The hour of glory that no one expected. Not even Satan. Because this doesn't look like glory to the world. The hour of the serpent's undoing. Jesus wins the victory on a cross outside the city walls, dying the death of a common criminal. Of course, does anyone who hangs on a tree? Jesus is the only way back to the Father. Jesus opens the gates of heaven. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? He's the gate back to the Father. Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in his body, but made alive by the spirit through whom he went and preached to the spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago. That's in 1 Peter 3. It's in the Apostles' Creed too. He descended to hell. What did he do? He freed the spirits that were imprisoned until he could open the gates of heaven. All those patriarchs who had died before this perfect sacrifice had to be set free. The first one out is John the Baptist because he was the last one to be killed. The last two out are Adam and Eve. First Eve in the red, and then Adam, the very last one that he pulled out of the mire, the imprisoned spirit. There was no way he could do that by himself. That's why he's holding his wrist, not his hand. Adam had nothing to do with it. This is a free gift of salvation from Jesus Christ alone. Jesus is the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He's the way, the truth, the life. Satan's not happy about it. And he takes on many disguises to this day. And he has many tools that he will use to try to win souls. We're in a battle. Jesus won the victory, but he still wants your soul. He's ticked off. He still uses temptation. The bite of the apple. (laughs) The bite from the fruit of knowledge. 
I was just looking at my computer and I'm like seeing this Apple logo with a bite out of it. And so I looked it up. In the Wall Street Journal, Apple is a $560 billion market capital. And every year, America, just America, spends $13.4 billion on pornography. And the rest of the world spends $96.7 billion on pornography. And it comes right there through that Apple. Interesting. I don't know. <laughs> After all it was over, Peter still was warning them, be self-controlled. And alert, because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's still doing this. This was after the resurrection, after the ascension, Peter said this. What's our problem? We're frogs in boiling water, and the heat's turning up, 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 up. And there we sit. Ribbit. <laughs> Jump out of the water. Jump out of the water. He's still very active. He's a liar. And the father of lies, he was a murderer from the beginning. That's why we're here seeking truth. He's deception. We got to know truth. It has to be our plumb line in the world we live in today. In the culture we live in today, we better know the truth. It's comforting. These guys were willing to die for it. I went to Rome this summer, martyr after martyr after martyr after martyr after martyr. They knew the truth. They were willing to put their life on the line for it. They knew that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The prince of darkness. Jesus Christ is way greater than the prince of darkness. I'll end with this. My favorite basilica in Rome, San Clemente. He, Saint Clement was our fourth pope and the first apostolic father. There is a beautiful asp in this church. And it explains the whole narratio because called the triumph of the cross and tomorrow is the feast of the exaltation of the holy cross you see the cross and it's as if all these vines it's in a garden it's the tree of life and it's jesus christ and if you look up you see the hand of the creator it's a theophany because there's god the father's hand the hand of the creator then the cross and flowing out from the bottom of the cross are four rivers it's the Holy Spirit. It's the river of life that was in the garden all along. And he flows to all directions, north, south, east, and west. And Jesus Christ, the cross, you see the snake? He's crushed Satan by the cross. And the cross is the tree of life. And it's teeming with life. It's teeming with life. And Revelation, the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, tells us about this tree. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. The leaves of the tree are the Eucharist. It's the food. It's in constant season. It's perpetual food that Mary, our mother, wants to feed us through the church. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. They will see his face and their names will be on their foreheads with that indelible seal of baptism. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, you're sealed on your forehead. There will be no more night. That means no darkness. They will not need the lamp, the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light. And they will reign forever and ever. Because we have a way back to the Father. We have a way back to eternal life. The feast of the exaltation of the Holy Cross is tomorrow. Lift high the cross. The love of Christ proclaim. Till all the world adore his sacred name. Amen. Now, we're going to listen to the actual scripture text, how the evangelists end their gospels. Put yourself in a quiet spot 
Just listen to the Word of God and how each of the synoptic authors will end their book. Matthew chapter 28, starting at verse 16. The Commissioning of the Disciples Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. How striking it is to me. We just heard the Matthew section, how Matthew ends his gospel. They saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Those are his own 11. That gives us so much hope because if we have ever entertained doubts in our own minds, these 11 apostles were eyewitnesses to his entire life. They saw his risen body. He had appeared to them on several occasions for 40 days after his resurrection from the dead, yet even some of them still doubted. We really see their humanity coming through in Matthew's ending there. Perhaps that's why John recorded Jesus's own words in John 20, verse 29, when Jesus says, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. So those people, those who have not seen and have yet come to believe are us. Now let's listen to how Mark ends his synoptic gospel. Mark, chapter 16, beginning at verse 14. Later he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were sitting at table. And he unbraided them for their lack of faith and stubbornness, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the good news to the whole creation. The one who believes and is baptized will be saved, but the one who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. By using my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes in their hands, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. The Ascension of Jesus So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and proclaimed the good news everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by the signs that accompanied it. I think Mark's ending is very striking as well. Jesus later appeared to the eleven themselves as they were sitting at the table, and he upbraided them. He upbraided them for their lack of faith and stubbornness because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. So again, we see those apostles had doubt. They're being upbraided by the risen Christ for lack of faith and stubbornness. Okay, there's hope for us. Even though he told them while he was with them that he must suffer, he must die. And on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But their human perception 
still has a really hard time believing that this could really be true. So this again gives us hope. It instructs us not to doubt these eyewitnesses that we read about in the Word of God that tells us all this is true. If we're having doubt, we're in good company. Well, let's take a listen to how St. Luke ends his gospel. Luke, chapter 24, beginning at verse 44. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised, so stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. The Ascension of Jesus Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and... Lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him, and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple, blessing God. Luke is the only one who records that beautiful account on the road to Emmaus. He reminds them that while he was still with him, he had taught them all these things, that everything in the Torah, everything that all the prophets had said and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And he opened their minds and he opened their hearts to understand the scriptures and their hearts burned within them because he himself was the key to unlock all all understanding of the scriptures. And he reminds them that repentance and forgiveness of sins is why he came. And they should proclaim in his name to all the nations that he has come for all men as God promised to their father Abraham. And then Jesus blesses them and they worship him. And then they return to Jerusalem to wait to wait, to wait for power from on high, that promised Holy Spirit. And they are filled with great joy, which is already a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And they're continually praising and blessing God in the temple. So friends, in our next lesson, we will actually begin our study of the Synoptic Gospels with Luke chapter 1. Until then, await the coming of the Messiah in your own discerning heart. Keep seeking truth. Truth is a person. Truth has a name. Jesus Christ is truth, and the truth will set you free. You've been listening to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. To hear and or to download this episode, along with many others, go to discerninghearts.com. To learn how you can become a participant, either online or in a classroom setting, of the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study, go to seekingtruth.net.
This has been a production of DiscerningHearts.com and the Seeking Truth Catholic Bible Study. Join us next time for Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.